Salute Nation. It's January 2nd, 2023. 3.42 a.m. on the East Coast. And it's currently 40 degrees out here this morning. Season 2 has officially begun. It is episode 35, however, but it's still the new season. Today's uh today's episode gonna talk about the upcoming movies that I want to watch or looking forward to as well as the couple TV shows that I can't wait for in, in this year and video games. Yep, I, I I enjoy some video games other than Madden and the show and all that stuff. That, but yeah, I mean there's other games that you know that I'm looking forward to. Of course, I will be talking about the Chicago Bulls, the Georgetown Hoyas, some Yankee news, and of course the Raiders. And it will go down, maybe not in that order. Maybe not in that order. I don't know how long of an episode this will be, but it will be it will be something. So uh I'm not gonna start with the Raiders. Um I'm I'm not hurt, you know, my heart's not broken. I'm not gonna do no rants or try not to do some rants rants, but you never know. So let's start off with some, you know, some movies that I want to watch in the upcoming year that I look forward to. Now, the dates are going to be somewhat to be determined, but there's rumors of 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 coming out. For instance, March 3rd, Creed 3. I'm looking forward to that third established story plot in this series. Of course, that is from MGM. Coming from Paramount Pictures, I'm really looking forward to this one on March 6th, or March 16th or March 10th. Scream 6. I'm a big fan of Scream. The story is just great. Even the last year's one was fucking fantastic. I enjoyed it, and I like the you know the the salute to the creator Wes Craven of it. I'm looking forward to Scream Six. I'm looking forward to it. Staying in March, March 24th, from Lionsgate, John Wick Four. Again, another series that of movies that's been great. One through three have been phenomenal, and the fourth, I can't wait. June 9th. Yeah, we got to wait from summer for this one. Also from Paramount Pictures. Transformers, Rise of the Beasts. I'm looking forward to that. Not so much of the story plot. You know, when you watch this type of action movies, yeah, it's not really a plot-driven films anyways. It's that wow factor. You know, the CGIs and shit like that that make you go, whoa, this is fucking technology. It's fucking amazing. I can't wait for that. Um, 
So sticking to some of the same theme other than, you know, going to the TV side of it all. Now, obviously, the Walking Dead universe is the, the meta of it all. You know, you got 2023 is going to be a big year for that. Obviously, the the official Walking Dead storyline of Rick Grimes and, of course, you know, him and, you know, uh, um, shit, why am I having a brain fart of the lady? Um, beautiful woman. Um, ah, Michonne. They got their own little six episode to tell to pretty much finish the full story of the Rick Grimes. But that other show of The Walking Dead, the official story of it, is done. Eleven years or eleven seasons. The eleventh episode or the eleventh season will be on Netflix within a couple of more days. So which that's I'm on season five or six of that again to rewatch everything. So I'm looking forward to seeing it all entirely without waiting next week for the next episode. That's one thing I do love about Hulu's and Netflix's and and you know HBO Max is that. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the other storylines with it with of, of the the Walking Dead. That will be coming out sometime in 2023. No official date have been leaked. You know what I mean? But it's 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 something I'm looking forward to. The Mandalorian. Obviously, if you have Disney Plus, you get to watch that. Their season premiere is on March 1st, or I believe it's March 1st. Or February. February, March. One of those two. I'm looking forward to that. I, I just I love what Disney has done to not so much the movies, although they haven't been terrible. I, it's it's what they've done with their stories, the Obi Wan's, the um, and so on, the Mandalorians, and it's that stuff has been fantastic. To finish off that bracket of the movies and and TV shows that I'm very interested in watching. This one is great for me because I've been a fan of this game. And it's going to be out sometime this month. I forgot which date. The Last of Us. If you got HBO or HBO Max... You are going to be able to watch The Last of Us. Um, and and of course, breaking news as well. Not breaking news. I mean, if <laughs> I'm not breaking it, it's been out for a couple of weeks or a week and a half. They are working on The Last of Us three video game. That has been, you know, that has been greenlighted. This show I'm looking forward to. Just, I mean, it's it's a zombies. Yeah, <laughs> anything that has zombies, I'm into it. So yeah, I'm looking for that. Now let's go into some video games. Now these are the ones I'm definitely going to play or looking forward to, either on PlayStation or Xbox. 
Then the first one on this list is Assassin's Creed Mirage. This is bringing it back. The Mirage is bringing back the style of what Assassin's Creed is all about. The gameplay, the, the, the stealth, being an assassin. This is what I love. Now, I'm not taking nothing away from Odyssey and Valhalla and Origins. Those were great, 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 great stories. But they just didn't felt Assassin's Creed to me. They just they were too RPG-ish. Smaller map. And Assassin's style. So anyone who has played Assassin's Creed, and I'm talking about Assassin's Creed 1, the story of Altier and 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 then you know Enzio, you will understand where I'm getting at with this. Mirage is going to be like that. It is set in the time where now it's 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 the story of it is is of um um the the guy who tricked well Loki infected or whatever in in Valhalla um that the assassin and he's he's the major player in this. That's who he is. So this is before Loki got a hold of him. And so it's not necessarily fantasy driven as you know or, or mythical. You know, but of course I'm looking forward to hopefully they don't have any of that shit. I, I just I got annoyed with that. WWE 2K23. Now, 2K22 was fantastic. It was definitely, obviously, better than 2K20. 2K20 is goddamn awful. But 2K22 brought it back where, where it was good. The graphics, obviously, were good. The play was smooth. Um, Of course, there were some bugs, but, I mean, what do you expect for 2K? And what do you expect from video games? It's not going to be perfect. But I'm looking forward to 2K23. Sticking with the wrestling um, is AEW's Fight Forever. Now, the rumor of Fight Forever, again, this is, it hasn't been to, it's the dates for these games have not been fully established yet. But Fight Forever is supposed to be a one off game, meaning that this is it, this is the game, and then they're going to continue building on it. Um, which I'm a fan of. I, I think that's the best way to do it. Now, you're going to have to pay down the line of DLCs and all that. That's a fine. I mean, when you get new major wrestlers coming in, that's, that's, that's your characters. That's that's what you. That's that's fine with me. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to those two wrestling games. Oh, here's another wrestling game, WrestleQuest. Now. I have this on the list, but it's not like my absolute something I'm going to try. I'll probably try it if I'm bored. And that is what this game is, is a mixture between pro wrestling and RPG. So it's a mix of it, which interesting. I don't know so much. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen and read a little bit of it, but I don't really know too much of it. So, I mean, I'm not going to, 
I, I'm not going to pay for it until I get the full go-ahead that it's it's good. And, of course, last but not least, MLB The Show 23. I love this game. I love it even more that 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 the creators of MLB The Show have decided never again to just be an exclusive for PlayStation. To me, listen, if you want if if any of them ever came to me and asked my advice of okay, we're making a video game, what should we do first? And I'm going to say do not make it an exclusive. Business-wise, that's the dumbest thing you can do because you're limit yourself from other opportunities of players. Halo, the creators of Halo, is stupid for keeping an exclusive. Last of Us is stupid, the creators of Last of Us, to, to make an exclusive for just PlayStation. So exclusives suck. Okay, it sucks. It sucks. I'm okay with some games being exclusive for new gens versus old gens or exclusive for just PC. I get that. But it should not be exclusive. And reason why is obviously video games are meant for PC. For PC, you're going to get the the greatest quality of it all. You can get the modding and, and, and such and such. That's the best way to play video games. And next in line are, of course, the newer generations because they're making it so close where do I really need a PC? And that's a good question to ask for other people. You know what? So so for consoles, within the next 15 to 20 years, they're going to be par with the PC. But that's because of the consoles that they're being made. Fuck you. All you got to do is hook up a fucking monitor and a keyboard and a mouse, and off you go. That's what it's coming to. Eventually, there will not be the laptops. And <laughs> I mean, I hope not, because you know, as a graphic designer, this is the shit that I, <laughs> I I'm, I'm just fucking with you. I'm not. That's not really gonna happen. I mean, I, mean, I hope not. But yeah, these are the games that I'm and the movies and the TV shows that I'm looking forward to. Um. Now. What's funny is yes, I, I I play I still am playing MLB the show twenty two. One thing I do have to say about the show or any baseball game, and I'll even include Madden in this. I don't remember a time other than when I was younger that I actually got through a full season. I get bored with these sports games. I think it's because knowing the game playing the game and i'm talking real life game is that shit did not really happen and i have to stop myself at times and go come on t it's a fucking video game it's not meant to be real even though it's trying to be real keep in mind that is just a video game Okay, stop being so uptight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I'm looking forward to these games. Of course, I'm a fan of any Assassin's Creed. I love baseball. 
yes, I did get the new Madden. Um, I got it for Christmas for my niece and nephew. And then, yes, I did play with Stidham as quarterback. Um, difference is, is I beat the fuck out of the 49ers. See, when I play video games, all right, especially for sports games, even if I haven't played in a while, I'm still playing on the hardest level. Only games that I don't play on the hardest levels are like days gone. <laughs> or the last of us. <laughs> Those type of games I will never play at the hardest levels for many reasons is because when you got the hordes of zombies coming at you and you have to fire your fucking gun and you have a limited amount of bullets, what the fuck? <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> so it takes three fucking shots after hitting the guy in the head, which is supposed to be a kill zone anyways, regardless if you're alive or dead. That's supposed to be the kill zone, right? The head or the heart. But in zombie life or in those type of games, the head the head, just fucking stab him in the head or shoot him in the head or chop the fucking head off. It's pretty much like playing like or watching a Friday 13th movie or Halloween. The killer just fucking doesn't die. Keeps coming and coming and coming. And then you add in the hardest level possible. And they're faster, stronger, more of them. Fuck you. I mean, I appreciate the challenge, but guess what? I enjoy knowing that a one good shot ahead, they're dead. What sucks, though, yes, they still got the major hordes. That is just like, fuck. Oh, speaking of that, the first time I ever played Days Gone, first time ever, I think I had an anxiety attack. I had the headphones on, and you're hearing the moans and groans of the fucking zombies. And they're you're you're walking into the caves, which is yeah, I would never do that in real life. Granted, thank God there's no such thing as zombies in real fucking life. And they come out. Holy shit. The sound I fucking threw my remote, well, the controller and my headset, and I was like. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why am I playing this game? Why? So every time I play, you know, turn on the PlayStation, and I hear that opening sound of that when you turn that, um, turn the PlayStation on, that will give me anxiety because these are the games that I had first with that PlayStation. You know what I mean? So it would just like, now it's just like, fuck it, come get me, you bitches. I purposely find a whore going to the cave and said, come and get it, bitches. I still die. But the point is, is that anxiety is done and over with. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny as shit. I know. So. I'm going to end this part. Of course, I'm going to hit you with the transition. And then we're going to talk about some sports. Yep, we're going to do some sports. 
So, you know the routine? Do not go anywhere. And if you do, you'll hurt my feelings, but I, I, you, you know you won't. If you got this far, you might as well just go further, right? So I'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Yep. Sports coming next. So that transition was called the green room. Hope nobody um fell asleep from that because when I was going through the transition list and I came upon that, I was like, all right, I like that. I like that. But then I was just like, my God, I could fall asleep listening to that. Now, I don't think that's a bad thing totally because you can come in and it's soothing and, you know, I like to think that it matches my voice a little bit. I mean, I, I guess I, I think I might be putting myself down with that. I don't know, but I'll let you all decide that. Anyways, let's get to some sports. So I'm going to start off with some Hoyas. I predicted the Hoyas will lose this game to Butler. The Butler Bulldogs go 5-10. and 10. 0-4 in the Big East. Now, they didn't prove me wrong. On January 1st, they got embarrassed. They got embarrassed at home by the score of 51-80. to 80. Yeah, I said that. 51-80. to 80. Patrick Ewing, I love you as a player. Thank you for all you've done with the Hoyas in the 80s. But by God, you suck as a coach. You suck as a recruiter. Why the fuck is this fucking college continue to have? It's like they don't give a fuck anymore. Once the big guy, John Thompson, died after that. Now his son did good. But even, I mean, Patrick, it's not like Patrick Ewing has been like, the absolute worst. I mean, we've been into the tournaments. Of course, they've only been NITs, it seemed like. Or first-round exits. And But with this loss, on January 4th, or not January 4th, on, on January 1st, and this loss, this getting embarrassed at 5180, keep in mind a conference team that you're playing. They are now 5 and 10, 0 and 4 in the Big East. And their next game is January 4th. Well, they'll be hosting the 7 and 7, 1 and 2 Big East record, the Villanova Wildcats. Now, Villanova is not like they were a few years ago. Where they're like the third seed or a fourth seed or, you know, high seed in basketball. But 
how can I predict my team to win if this team doesn't look like they want to win? So my prediction for this January 4th game is Hoyas will lose. And I hope this time they can prove me fucking wrong. Because 5-11, and 0-5 in the biggies just does not cut it. Sticking to the basketball theme. Due to the fact that the Irish are no longer playing. They won their, you know, bowl game on the at, at the Gator Bowl. I already talked about that in the last episode. So sticking to basketball. The Bulls. Now I left off predicting the Bulls will defeat the Cavs. In a game played on December 31st, by the way. I was wrong with this prediction. The Cavs took down the Bulls 103-102. to 102. Next game. The now 16-20 and 20 Bulls will play today. It's around 7.30, 7 o'clock. 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, where they travel to Cleveland to look for revenge on the 31st game. I'm predicting the Bulls to get their fucking revenge. Yeah. Listen, this Bulls team it's starting to turn some of a corner. Now, I still think Billy Donovan is a dumb coach. Good college coach, but not good pro coach. I think this team is starting, I think because they're starting to get healthier. And I think they're starting to get who is the go-to guys. And they're starting to play somewhat, somewhat defense. Um, Obviously, this, you know, the NBA this time around, you know. <laughs> It's not really, you know, defense-oriented mindset, and I get it. Most of your sports is, really isn't. Um, it's about the high scoring because it sells, and that's what that's what's in. But I'm predicting the Bulls to pull out this victory. Will I be right? I don't know. We'll find out. So now let's go on to the still and the pros. Let's move on to the Yankees. December 31st, the Yankees and outfielder Willie Calhoun have agreed to a non-roster deal for 2023. This deal includes that he gets uh, a spring training invite. So the invite is a big league camp and a possible of, you know, the spring training which will begin in, in March, February, March. Also, the Yankees are bringing back a familiar player in the Yankee organization. He last played with the A's last year. I'm happy to have this guy back, by the way. Outfielder Billy McKinney. He's being, you know, he's back on the minor league contract. 
and already has been assigned to the AAA club. It's good to see him back. Really is. Now, sure, the Yankees still need a pitcher, not a starter. I think they're starting pitching, especially one through six, with when you have Gorman in there as the sixth starter. That's a solid. If this team is, if that pitching staff is healthy, I'll say it right now. If this pitching staff is healthy, this pitching staff will be the best in baseball. I'll have that debate with anybody out there. If this pitching staff is healthy, this team, well, this pitching staff will be the best in baseball. Yep. I, I, I hey, come get me. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. So there's this article that I want to read. It's by uh by Brian Hooch or Brian Hoach or whatever his name is. You can find it at MLB.com. Three bold predictions for the Yankees in 2023. Now, if you're not a Yankee fan, you're probably going to be like, I really don't want to talk about the Yankees. Or if you're a Yankee hater, you'd be like, fuck, I don't give a fuck about the Yankees. But if you're a Yankee fan, which there's a lot of, and rightfully so, you may like this. Now, this article was written on December 29th of last year. It's weird saying that already. And this story was experted from... By uh, Brian Hooch, the Yankees beat newsletter. To read the full newsletter, you you know it says click here and subscribe to get it regularly in your inbox. Now I don't do that, and it's talking about ask people within Aaron Judge's orbit what will do for an encore, what he will do for an encore this historic 2022 season, and the response are largely the same. He's not focused on hitting 63 home runs, 70 or 7, even 74. In Judge's universe, the ring is the thing. I love that. With an opportunity to chase the championships weighing heavily in his decision to return to the Yankees on his nine-year contract. So we... So as we close the books on 22 and look forward to 2023... Let us be the first to say that Judge would not break his own single season American League home run record. And though you shouldn't strive, for, I mean, you should strive for that. There's nothing wrong with that. But seeking that, or or to think that you're going to get that, or even a fan that thinks he's going to duplicate like that is just flat out fucking crazy. If it happens, cool, but the title is more important. He needs to get better at getting back to the timely hitting. Meaning that hitting better with base, runners on base. Especially in the postseason. If, his, if he can beef up his postseason numbers these next nine years of his career in the pinstripes, my God, especially if he can get number 28, 29th, and so on with the Yankees. I'm talking titles, by the way. 
holy shit, this man can go down in Yankee aura as like a Babe Ruth, as like a Lou Gehrig, as like a Yogi Berra, as like a Derek G. I can go on and on with these names, but guess what? I'm not going to. Just because I'm trying to say this is a different time, these are the different Yankees. So I like this article. But that was just not part of the article that I really wanted to focus on. Because it wasn't focused on the three bold predictions. It was just going to that build into it. So here are the three bold predictions for the Yankees in 2023 from Brian. High octane delivery. And this goes hand in hand what I was talking about with the pitching staff. The state-of-the-art pitching lab that the Yankees spent a considerable chunk of change outfitting at their player development complex in Tampa, Florida, is nicknamed the gas station. A zone intended to help pitchers tune up their mechanics. Imagine what Garrett Cole, Carlos Rendon, might be able to do there. Cole Rendon pace what is now arguably the major's most stacked rotation, followed by Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, and Frankie Montaz. Now, I'm not a fan of Frankie, but hey, that was his first you know, half year in the fucking pinstripes. It's a difference from going from Oakland to the New York. There's a different ball game, folks. If you, have, if you know baseball, if you know baseball, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot. Playing in Yankee Stadium, playing for the Yankees, is a different ball game. Those that can say close to that are the Red Sox, and I hate that. The Mets, I'll even give them the props for that. Houston Astros, the Dodgers can say something. But the rest of the teams, sorry. I'm sorry. If you're a fan of any of those teams that I did not mention, sorry. It just it is what it is. It is what it is. Playing in the Bronx is a totally different ballgame. Not the fact of, you know, the fans will boo God. It's the fucking fact that the media, if you fuck up, you have to tell why you fuck up. You just do. You're being held accountable. That's why I give a lot of props to Judge. Judge was Judge got booed and he broke the fucking American League home run record. He almost got the triple crown. He was still booed. We boo Mariano Rivera, who is the greatest saver. We boo the captains of Derek Jeter and Donnie Baseball. Even Rod Guidry got his boos. Yogi, I'm sure, got his booze, even though during that time they probably didn't boo as much as they do now. But we are a rabid fan base in New York, or even across the world of the Yankees, who are fans of the Yankees. It's a different, it's a different fucking atmosphere. It's playoff baseball and spring training. I'm not telling an opinion. I'm stating a goddamn fact. So now, speaking of Cole, he broke Rod Guidry's franchise record for strikeouts last season. And last season, he was a shitty pitcher. 
in Yankee standards. He fanned 257 batters, while Rodon led the majors with 11.983 strikeouts per nine innings with the Giants. The night, the dynamic duel now will give the Yankees an excellent head start towards their single season franchise record of 100 or of a 1,634 strikeouts set in 2018. They had 1,459 last year, which ranks 17th all time. The major league record is 1,687, established by the Astros in 2018. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you guys, this pitcher that staff is healthy. Good God. Good God. I don't know why I said it like that, but, you know. So, number two, Bash Brothers. The Yankees are 28-2 when Judge and Staten homered in the same game, which seems to be a time-tested formula for success. Get both of the big guys going yard, then shakes hands to the end of the night. While we're not penciling Judge in for another 62, maybe he'll read this and prove us wrong. Could Judge and Staten best their highest power total? They combined for 65 homers in 2018 before Staten was limited to just seven long balls over the next two seasons, including the pandemic shortened 2020 campaign. They hit 74 together in 2021, then reached 93 this past season. Thanks to Judge Heavy lifting, but Staten played only 110 games. We predicted he belts a few more helping Judge and Staten get to at least 80 homers combined. Let that sink in. If they're both healthy, <laughs> Yeah, that 80 will probably be matched by double. I said it. If they're help, healthy, I, I won't be surprised if it's 160. <laughs> Even though that's, I got to keep it more realistic. Maybe as a team, they'll definitely be over 160. But combined for those two, 80 homers combined is fucking fantastic because that's 40 apiece which is realistic for those two guys. Let's also take a moment to appreciate that Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle combined for 115 homers in 1961, which remains the highest. Hang on, hang Yankee haters and Yankee lovers. That remains the highest combined single season total for any two teammates. 116, 115 homers combined. If healthy. If healthy. Judge and Stanton combined can break that. They can. They can. So three. Last one. Short story. 
By the way, this is the first time I myself reading this article as I'm reading it to you. The Yankee spring shortstop battle figures to be fascinating with managing general partner Hal Steinbrenner outlining his vision of having Oswald Peraza, Anthony Vallalpi, and middle infield in the middle infield. If not on opening day, then soon after. Complicating the matter is that Isaiah Kinner Falfia, whatever, returned on a six million contract. Too expensive to be a, a utility man or a bench ornament, so a trade could be determined down the line. Figure that Peraza and Valalpi will be given real opportunities to impress in the spring, with the Yankees looking for the youngsters to step up and claim the position. Valapi may begin the year in the minors, as this will be his first big league camp, and he's only had 99 plate appearance of AAA. But Peraza impressed the Yankees last season. Well, late last season. As manager Aaron Boone raved, easy arm, moves well. He gets those actions where you look to him and go. He's a shortstop. And that's the end of that article. If healthy, and if they get Reynolds as an outfielder or other opportunities, they could happen. I will be happy with the offseason move so far. They definitely got to move Hicks. Um, trade him to Siberia if he can't. you can't find the team. I don't give a fuck. Um, and yet, let the young kids, especially Pra, uh, 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 uh Cabrera, As Aswato Cabrera. I know I fucked up his name. My bad. To play left field, if you can't find a a, a trade, but especially for Reynolds, if you get Reynolds, fuck this, this. You know, what I mean, this could be great. I know there's rumors because Carrera's having problems, you know, with linking the deal with the Mets because some medical reasons, and there's. Already the rumors that the Yankees are swooping because Yankees can afford swooping in. You know what I mean? They can afford having a guy not playing all and having a big contract. They can afford that. Dodgers can afford that. The Mets can afford that too. It's the question of do they want to? Obviously, if I was in the Yankee front office, I wouldn't even entertain this offer of Carrera. Healthy? Great. Hell yeah. Him sitting behind Judge. I mean, his postseason numbers, his leadership, people love him on the teams. Absolutely, you take a look at him to play your shortstop. Regardless if you have young phenoms. Absolutely. But he's injured. What the fuck? I mean, come on. You just got done. Hit. The Giants just got done passing him up after trying to link him and then worried about it. And then the Mets scooped in and did the same thing. Now that's going on with the Mets. So absolutely, you take a look at him if he's healthy. But what is going on there? So I say pass. The focus is bullpen. The focus is seeing if the left field, if you if you could trade for Reynolds, great. If you could trade for another guy, I forgot the name. I think I listened to him in the last episode. 
But that's not really what I want to go with. I want to read that article and talk about who we got with Calhoun and and um, bring it back McKinney. Shit, yeah. I would love to even see Billy McKinney make a major league debut or, you know, come back to the you know, Yankees on the main roster. Fuck yeah. I was a fan of McKinney. He was a hard worker. So it's good to see him back, even though even with the minor league contract. But, you know, he may see his time come up because injuries do happen. And this will be the first test for Cabrera. If if he can't handle a full 162 games, we shall see. I mean, they still are play to get Reynolds, but if they can't, hell, I'll be okay with Cabrera in left field. Um, as far as the young cats of Loppy and and Praza covering the third, and you know, I mean, but but here's the thing: it's covering the shortstop. That's a great battle to have with them and Kenner. Now, to me, Kinner, he won his gold glove in, I think it was 2020, which was the shortened year of the pandemic, was, you know, where he got the gold glove on third base. Well, on the third base side, you have Donaldson. Now, if Donaldson comes back to form and can hit that fastball, Jesus Christ. I mean, Yankees went 99 wins last year, and that's with some fucked up shit. If healthy, and they can return to form and hit in the postseason, and they can drive and have a high, high turnabout with runners on base, this team is scary. This team is scary, and they're not even done making moves. And now you're getting DJ LeMayu back. Which was missing in the postseason, by the way. But you get him. You get a full season of, um, why is his name fucking, and I didn't want him at first. I'm not going to lie. Bader. Harrison Bader. My God, he fucking did great in the postseason. You get a full season from him? <laughs> Our outfield is set. Judge, Bader, Cabrera in the left field, or or Reynolds. And then you could spot start with freaking Staten if he's helped. Oh, my God, I love it. Get rid of Hicks, though. Get rid of Hicks. Fuck Hicks. Clown. And that's just his play-wise. I'm not going at him personally. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I never met him. Then the infield of, you know, first baseman. My God, why am I can't ever fucking remember his name? It's amazing that sometimes that it's the older I get, I tend to forget names. And it could be from football. It could be from concussions. It could be from, hell, I could get Alzheimer's or, as I like to call, all-timers or old-timers. Um, but, yeah, Rizzo. There you go. I didn't even, put, I didn't even punch in the fucking names. <laughs> you get Rizzo, LeMayu, and I know they're shopping, looking to shop 
you know, possibility shopping. Um, oh my God, why did I see what I mean? Sometimes I talk without thinking, and it, it, watch it comes to me when 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 I'm not even punching this up. Torres, yeah, Glaber Torres. That time I did punch it up. I just went Yankee roster, and there it is. So you got Torres, and then you got Donaldson, and then Vlapi, and or even Kinner if you know if he wins the third, you know, shortstop. I like that. And then catcher, you know, I'm 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 cool with the catching position. You know, although speaking of catching the position. I'm a fan of Trevino. I really am. I'm a fan of him. Of course, you got that young switch hitter. Well, not really a switchy, but he's a left-handed hitter. But we got it in that trade to bring over Donaldson. And Ben Red uh, Wartavetti, or whatever, R-O-R-T-V-D-T. I think I spelled that name right. I don't know. Well, he was missing most of last year anyways, if not all, because of injury. But you bring him back, he's the lefty-righty with the Tavino. Listen, Kawagashi, I, I respect him. He's been in the organization for too long, but he's not that good. He's not. He, he even suffered somewhat in the defensive side. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to – I really am. I'm look, And then the bullpen-wise – I'm not going to lie. I mean, we have Clay Holmes. I know I said we need a closer, but you got Clay Holmes that can close games. You brought back Tommy Conley, and you got Lou Trevino. Bullpen is looking good. La Suega, Peralta, Ron Marchino, Michael King should be coming back sometime because he had that elbow surgeries earlier. I mean, Bobby Albert Abreu did pretty good. Davey Garcia, that could see time as a spot starter here and there. It, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what this team can do going forward. You know, I just pretty much figure out I'm almost out of time because it goes a 30-minute thing. So I know I didn't get to the Raiders yet. What I'm going to do is I'll do that after another transition. How about that? See you in a little bit. One thing before I get to the Raiders, one thing I don't like about Anchor, and this is the only beef I have with Anchor, and it's not really a full beef, is you can record for up to 30 minutes at a time. Meaning, after 30 minutes, you have to save it and start a new one, which is not a bad thing. It's not. It just means you have to restart for a new one. But, I mean, it's really not bad. I mean, it's not like uh, with YouTube where on StreamYard you could talk for as long as you want, up to 12 hours uh, on YouTube at a time before it, it cuts off 
11 or 12. Which, I mean, if you're going to do an episode 11, 12, yeah, forget that. Uh, <laughs> the most I'm going to do is like an hour and something. And that's not on every time. It just, it just depends what I want to talk about. This one I'm feeling pretty good on the episode where it just, you have your moments where ah, I think I'm doing good or no, I'm not doing good. You just have that moment. You know what I mean? It's pretty much all in your head anyways, how you're feeling. Now that I got that out of the way of the hassle of Anchor, but I love Anchor in general. I love it that you can you know, create other accounts with Apple and such and such, and you could push it out to them, like how you can with Spotify. Of course, Spotify, and you know, is owned by Anchor or other way around. Anchor is owned by Spotify. So one of the two, but it just automatically does it. So that's cool. I like that. Now that I said all that, time to talk some radars. I always want to do that. Do it like that. I don't know why. Well, look. I was one who didn't give us a chance. Any hope whatsoever. For us to win this game. Hell, I'll even say. I thought we would have got crushed. Stiddle making his first ever career start. Going up against the 49er number one ranked defense. Number one ranked defense, even if it wasn't the 49ers. Hell, I'll even... I even (laughs) went further and... And already gave us the six and ten record. Already chalk it down to seven and eight all time against the 49ers. And even though I was right with that, losing in overtime, scoring thirty four points. By the way, we lost 37-34. I'm sure you already know. But scoring that 34 points on a number one ranked defense. Losing in overtime. Made me proud. I was proud of this loss. I know normally I'm not happy with the loss. and That chief loss, I was a little bit more, you know, in, in October. You know, losing 30 to 29, there was something to still to be, you know, I mean, it was something to still be. Just something to still be going, okay, you know, I mean, we gave it our all. But I was not upset at all this loss. I'm not. I'm not upset. I enjoy what I watched out of Stidham. Yep. I did. 
And this is not an attempt at a car bashing at all. Thank you, Carr, for the nine years. Once a Raider, always a Raider. But the last episode, I said it was time to park the car. They parked it. Let's move on. And they did. Stidham, here's his stats. Completing 23 out of 34 attempts. For 365 yards. Which I think was a tie or a breaking record of a first start ever to make to have that. I believe that was I believe that's what was the stat. I didn't fully look into that or, or a record. He threw three touchdowns. He did toss two interceptions. There was times where he overlooked and didn't see an open receiver as well. Absolutely, because that happens. He was sacked zero times. His quarterback ranking was a 77.4. RTG, 108.1. He was above motherfucking average. Way above average, by the way. He also rushed for 34 yards. Seven or nine carries. Longest being of 11 yards where he almost ran it in for six, but was stopped short. He gave me a small what if. And I say that because what matters next week's matters. Second start matters and I'm excited to see what he can do against that what he can do against our arch rivals I'm excited to see what he can show me more but for this moment right at this time after this game I'm excited about him I am I'm excited about Stidham going further. Sticking to season stats, or for this game stats. JJ, 70 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown. Adam, seven receptions, 11 targets, 153 yards, two touchdowns. Waller, three receptions, five targets, 72 yards. One touchdown. Defense aside, Harmon Lang had nine total tackles each. Harmon led with eight solo tackles. No team had a sack. None. Which is terrible that we didn't as well. Well, terrible more for us that we didn't. Amik with an interception. 
He stepped up at times. I mean, he got burnt few, but everyone does. Carlson. Two for two field goals. 57 the youngest, longest. Four and four in extra points. Ten points for him tonight. Or in the game. Cole, two punts. 81 yards. 40.5 average. One inside the 20. No touchbacks. Longest at 52 yards. However, he did have the about 28 yarder, but I'm not sure if it was touched or not. Let's go over to the team stats. First downs total. 49ers 27, us 29. Both 15 each for passing. 10 each by both teams by the rushing. They got the first downs twice by penalties. We got the first downs four times due to penalties. Third down efficiency. Four. For eight for them, four and eight for them, four for twelve for us, or four for ten for us. Fourth down efficiency, they didn't even give it a try. We were 0 for one. Total play, six to them, sixty-six us. Get this total yards, four hundred fifty-four against us, five hundred against them. The biggest, what the fuck? We total yard against them. The number one ranked defense at 500 yards. Them getting 454 yards on us is, man, what do you expect? Total drives, 12 for them, 11 for us. Total yards per play, 7.3 for them, 7.6 for us. Passing yards, 284 for them. 365 for us. Russian, 170 for them, 135 for us. Red zone, 4 for 6 for them, 2 for 4 for us. Penalties, 9 penalties for 71 yards for us, 6 penalties for 49 yards. Time of possession, 31 minutes and 7 seconds for them. 32 flat for us. Yep. It was a good game, guys. I I cannot I'm not pissed at all. Sure, we're 6 and 10. I'm not pissed. I'm not going I'm not throwing a fit. I'm not upset. I, 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 although, I mean, I am upset that the defense allowed, you know, we're like 0-5 when leading by double figures in the second quarter or in the second half. That That's, listen, that's not good. That's not good. And I'm glad to see people are starting to see that the defense are at fault at times now. It's amazing what happens when Carr is no longer on the team. Now they're starting to find out another way. They, they don't want to blame Stidham yet, right? 
rightfully so. You can't fucking fully blame a guy for his first career fucking start. Just like when 2016, when Carr went down against the fucking Colts, and then the week after that, fucking McGloin went down, and then for the playoff against Houston, it was Connor Cook making his first ever career fucking start against Houston in the postseason. You can't expect a first-year guy to come in and be victorious. You cannot expect what Stidham did in his first career start. The difference between Cook starting and from Stidham is Stidham was drafted in 2019 by the Patriots. He sat behind fucking legend Tom Brady. He sat and learned this system that is being run in Oakland or in Vegas now. So he knows this playbook, and it showed. Now, I'm going to be honest right here as well, like I always am. The playbook looked different. It was run differently. Sure, there was still a little uh, handcuffed at times. But I love the way Stidham and the receivers I mean, hell, you even have Foster making catches. Yeah. I mean, the the the, the at red zone was still like, come on, we're here. Look, come on, really, we're gonna kick a field goal. There were still times that it make me feel like this car out there. What's the difference? Now, again. I'm not out there ever out there making claims or saying Carr is the only issue or that Carr was ever the only reason why we lost games. I never blamed it all on Carr, ever. But it was just time to park the car, and it's time to move on from Carr. And what they're doing, I'm okay with that. I'm not married to a player. I'm not a Kardashian. But I was never a Carbashian either. I just always knew that the problem wasn't just car. That I do as a defensive guy, I throw blame more so on the defenders for allowing leads. Because it's accountability there. Right? I don't care if my offense only scored 10 points. If we were up 10 nothing going into halftime, it is our job as the defense to keep it at 10 nothing and worry and let the offense worry about the offense. And if they couldn't give us their all or, or they gave us their all and they couldn't muster another score, it was still our job to stop them. See, and that's what some of you little fucking clown fucks don't get your job as the defense is to stop and if you didn't stop them you didn't do your job for the full four quarters just like today this game i'm not pissed but i also didn't throw the full blame on the defense either right even when we blow the leads the 0-5 blowing fucking double digit leads in the second half that's not good 
So, yeah, I do throw blame more on Graham, who I still think is not a good defensive coordinator. And if you do <laughs> disagree with me, that's fine. I don't give a fuck. Congratulations on understanding what a disagreement is about. But it takes more than just one unit to be good. We're not a quarterback away from being good. We got many holes to fill. Now, do I jump a gun and say we gotta get rid of all these coaches? Sure, I I do that. I'm 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 coming in with emotion. I'm sick of losing. And that's something that I think we all have a common together. Right? Your Kardashians, Kardashians, or middle grounds. What we have it in common is we're sick of losing. It's been far too long. Last time in the title run, I mean, last time winning a title was in the 80s. Last time being relevant in a, in a, in a, uh, you know, winning a playoff game was in 2002. Last time, last time being relevant in a postseason rush going into the Super Bowl, 2002. Since then, only two winning seasons, 2016 and last year. About three or four eight and eight seasons. The rest losing seasons. Carr, the only two winning seasons we've had has been with Carr at helm. Remember, he was drafted in 2014, and by 2016, if he didn't get hurt, he was MVP. Who knows what we would have done in the postseason if he didn't get hurt? Right? He may have won his only playoff game or that playoff game because he's technically only played in one playoff but pushed this franchise to be in two playoff games. Granted, yes, last year was his first playoff game appearance. Yes, he lost. We lost it because he threw an interception or part of the reason why we lost. But was also the receivers not fucking running the routes or a terrible play call for not giving your receivers going into the end zone. Of course, it's also it was Carr concentrating on Zay Jones. Throwing it into triple coverage. That's, I do, Yeah. That's one thing I want to say to Kardashians. Listen, I hate to use that term. The quarterback's job, and they get all the scrutiny because that's the person that touches the ball the most. That's what you want as a leader. That's what you want as the general. That's what you want as the fucking dick of the franchise, which Carr is not a dick. He may play like an asshole in a bad way. Sure. But what you want as a quarterback is the guy that says, 
fuck you. We're not running that. What are you going to do? Sit me? Go ahead, dick. That's what you want in a quarterback. <laughs> I do. I'm okay with that. It's, I mean, but the quarterback, he has to be at, at fault when he overthrows and underthrows. Is there at time the reason why he does it? Like maybe he's anticipating the receiver to go further. Yep. Is he anticipating, you know, the, the um, well, yeah, I already said it, the receiver to go further. Yep, a- a- absolutely. That could be a part of the reason. But his job is to throw it or lead it so the receiver can have a clear opening for it. Granted, that's not always going to happen perfectly. So you're going to have the receiver jumping up to make a catch. The receiver's body wide open to get hit hard. But it's still. The rule is by every receiver, and I bet you if you ask every goddamn receiver in the game, if I touch it, I should have caught it. Ask Jerry Rice. Ask Tim Brown. Ask Terrell Owens. Ask Steve Largent. Ask Todd Christensen. Ask anybody that receives the pass. Yep. Ask them. Ask your college coach. Ask a high school coach. Ask a pro coach. If your receiver touch it, should they have caught it? That's the rule. That's the golden rule of it all. They should have. Absolutely. Now, is there understanding of why that receiver didn't get it? Yeah. You know, you're running your route, you're running fast, and you have to turn, you know, backwards to catch it. Like, well, how would it happen in Renfro? Absolutely. He still touched it, but he should have caught it. That's why I always gave Carr half credit for being a fuck up on that moment. When he's overthrowing the receiver and the defender is there to catch it, boom, that's Carr's fault. When he's underthrowing, that's also Carr's fault. When he's throwing behind the receiver and the receiver tips it, that's half credit on him. But also on the receiver because he should have caught it. Carr's also responsible, or any quarterback is, to look the defenders off. Not just being focused on one guy when he comes out of the huddle. Regardless of that play is designed for them, don't fucking show it. Learn how to play poker. I bet your car sucks at poker. Carr is at blame. But he's not the only one that needs to be blamed. And that's what I think gets lost in the translation. Or the understanding of this game. Or get lost in the in understanding of when someone defends. Or someone doesn't defend. Or when someone goes after. We're all to blame. All those fans are to blame for not communicating better at times. I'm one of them. 
But I never, ever, ever, ever will stop being a friend to somebody or I don't like somebody because they have a different opinion than me. So, yeah. But I definitely enjoy what I saw out of Stidham. And I look forward to see what he can do against the Queef. Speaking of which, which is their last game of the 2002-2022-2023 season, as they're hosting the 13-3 Queefs, the real arch rivals, January 7th, it's been determined now. It's not when. It's We know. It's Saturday, January 7th, 4.30 p.m. East Coast time is the only thing I'm going on because I'm East Coast, which is 1.30 for you guys in the West. Queefs are 71, 54, and 2 all time against the against us. Let that sink in. 71, 54, and 2. They are, without a shadow of a doubt, the arch rivals of the Raiders. I know I said I understand what the 49ers and rivalry with the 49ers is, but when you have them going eight, just winning their eighth game against the Raiders of all time, that's not much of a goddamn rivalry. All right? It's just not. We don't see them enough. We're not even in L.A. We're not even in Cali. They are still in Cali. I get it. I get it. I get that whole Oakland and San Fran. I get it. I get it. I get it. I don't share that same hatred for the 49ers like you all do who live in Cali. I just don't. I'm not from there. I'm a New Yorker. Capiche? Queefs are 71 and 54 and 2 against us. They have been the bullies. You want to take back the West? You knock those motherfuckers out. That's who we should be fucking fighting. Last game we lost, 29-30. And that was in fucking shit stadium that the Kansas City Queefers play in. This will be Stidham's second start. Career start, by the way. Not season, just season start, but career start. I like what I see out of this first. But it's not what you do today, it's what you do tomorrow. Regardless of we win or lose, if Stidham comes out and has a good game, shows heart, duplicates these same numbers, I would be happy with another 365 yarder or yards rushing for 34. Throwing three touchdowns. I hate the interceptions, but you know, if you know what I mean. Yep. 
I think he will be the quarterback of the future for going into 2012, well, the next season. I'm going to reiterate this. There will be no Tom Brady coming to Vegas. I can fully understand or 100% say that with with confidence that that the Raiders will not have Tom Brady as a quarterback. That's the only reason. Aaron Rodgers is not coming. Lamar Jackson is not coming. A, money. Two, none of them are going to come to a team that is not ready to win now or even next year. Focus on the draft. Let's see what Stidham could do and so on. Predictions. I'm going Raiders to victory. This ends episode 35. Till then, salute nation.